Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome to Future Sense here on Bay of Him 99.9, just after 9 o'clock. You're now with myself, Nick Jeans, and my co-host, Steve McDonald, here through till 11 o'clock this morning. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. It is getting a little wintry, isn't it? It is indeed. Beautiful, clear nights, though. Absolutely. And uh, the meteor shower's been happening. We haven't actually seen many... You saw one meteor. I saw one. I poked my head out the other night. I tell you what, the sky was so clear. I I don't remember seeing the Milky Way so clearly uh, as I did the other night. It was amazing. Mm. Exquisite. It's an exquisite time of year here. And a great pleasure this morning to welcome uh, back our semi-regular guest to the studio, because you live in Melbourne, Dr. Stephen Booth. Good morning. Nice to have you back in the studio. Uh, Stephen, if you don't know Stephen, is a, a doctor of Chinese acupuncture, esoteric acupuncture acupuncturist and uh, a man who works um, on many things and particularly and we'll be talking a little bit about that today I think as we get further on into it about light body activation but really today we're talking specifically about health. Yeah so uh, planetary health and personal health and looking at fractal models of change around that topic Uh, and I also want to introduce uh, um, some terminology uh, that we'll use on an ongoing basis on the podcast and and radio show Uh, and that is that the terms collapse and emergence so the the show is essentially about change global change Mm. and particularly the impact of uh, that change process on our consciousness and vice versa the impact of changing consciousness on uh, on global change and in that process right now what we're facing is the collapse of old paradigms and the emergence of new paradigms Mm. and i I use the plural there because they really are uh, more than one paradigm or there is more than one paradigm involved here Um, we've got uh, a layered sequence of paradigms that take the shape of uh, something like a set of Russian dolls where they're nested inside each other. And so as humanity has evolved, and as we've grown as individuals throughout our life, we layer new uh, segments of consciousness over the old, and each new one is more complex and more capable. And so if we look at society, we've got this amazing array of nested layers of consciousness, and they show up as as what we know as paradigms. Mm. And right now, um, our entire planetary system, in fact, even wider than that, our, our whole solar system is going through a significant period of change, and uh, that's showing up at all levels. So we're going to unpick some of those levels and some of those patterns mm. during the show with a particular focus on health. And it's only really been arguably fairly recently, and you could consider, I guess, since the what's called the overview effect, since we saw the Earth from space, that we've actually considered... Uh, deeply or beginning to consider that our personal health and our planetary health are actually linked uh, irrevocably and completely and totally. And it's, it's, a yes. lot of that's a discovery about that, isn't it, about how we actually are linked and what we've done wrong in the past and what we can then do to address that and to change and become more um, coherent with the Earth's health itself. Yeah, that's right. And whether it be our own personal growth process or the evolution of humanity as a whole, what we're moving 
from is uh, smaller perspectives to larger perspectives. And what you just gave was a great example of, a, of a, an opening to a larger perspective when mm. we got that first shot of the Earth from a distance. Mm. And of course, at the start of this modern era, uh, we had the first circumnavigations of the, the globe yeah. by, by ocean, by mm. sea, sea journey, mm. uh, which for the first time got us thinking about the Earth as, as a sphere yeah. and as a whole. You know, we, we had a global perspective emerging. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. So a lot to talk about today, starting with uh, the dis- dysfunction of our health systems currently, arguably, and you may disagree with that. Uh, you can always text us in here on 0437341119 for any comments or bring our attention to anything. So from that sort of dysfunctional aspect, arguably, of our current health systems, particularly in the West, and uh, you could say the uh, the ignorance regarding uh, ancient and indigenous techniques which have been rediscovered to modern technology and uh, the notions of, of resonance and coherence, of, of harmony, of uh, of a whole well-being. So we'll be talking about many of these things here. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate and spiral up. Hey, I'm Bob Hawke. I'm on Bay FM 99.9. Uh, thank- Almost boiling. Yes. Good on you. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Uh, that is Bob Hawke from some time ago. And, of course, uh, the elections are coming up soon and the health of the nation is at stake. Uh, our personal health and actually having to deal with the competition between the, the political parties is, uh, is another uh, contradiction to a healthy state of mind, I would suggest. The, the, uh, the amount of information that we are, we are flooded with continually, it's a, it's a difficult time, I, I would suggest, to to be healthy to maintain your health and uh, and obviously the planetary health is uh, is in some state of uh, well some some remedy needs to come forward so we're going to be talking a lot about that today and the change patterns themselves to begin with steve Yes, and we've got uh, with us here our special guest, Dr. Stephen Booth, who's an old, old Kung Fu buddy of mine. And, uh, not that old. <laughs> not, not quite as old as me. <laughs> and um, and fellow Taoist. Yeah. A couple of Taoist priests I have here this morning yeah, with you yes, folks. That, that's Is true, it? actually. Yes. Um, and so we're going to be taking um, an ancient knowledge perspective on personal and planetary patterns of change and uh, just look at that. Um, connection and and uh, the perspective of health from the angle of change, mm-hmm. um, and of course, there's been a lot of activity around the globe recently with the emergence of this new activist movement, the Extinction Rebellion movement, mm. and um, the, the growing understanding that we seem to be witnessing the sixth uh, cyclic mass extinction on the planet, mm. and with the emerging paradigm particularly the the uh, relativistic sixth layer which is what what's next basically after the modern scientific industrial era there's a huge pull to reconnect with nature and we're moving from an individual oriented paradigm which was the scientific industrial which was was very separating and specializing in nature to back to a communal paradigm in the relativistic or the sixth layer um, and as part of that process, we're reconnecting with a whole bunch of different things. And, we're, and, and one of those very significantly is reconnecting with nature and the planet and mm-hmm. earthing ourselves, um, having built uh, structures you know, which are separating uh, in a general sense. And, and also our professions have um, individualized and specialized mm-hmm. and gone very deep in narrow areas, but thereby disconnecting each of those areas from its adjacent parts of the system. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so uh, fractal patterns have changed. I guess in a very simple sense, you know, if we look at the at the very the, the most basic sort of changes that we're aware of, night and day is a mm. fundamental one, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, that's one of the things that's uh, quite obvious as humans that we see the world around us changing, and you see that um, shift from from daylight and the, the sunrise, and then that happens quite rapidly. So the, the, the at sunrise we have this rapid movement from a yin state of darkness into the light. And then over the day, we get that change towards m midday, and there's a maximum yang time, and then a, a decline, which happens gradually, and then suddenly and rapidly, we have a maximum rate of change at sunset into a yin state. So there's an ebb and flow just as mm. we breathe, everything seems to breathe and flow and, uh, and change. Yeah, and interesting, if you study meteorology, uh, or if you have studied it, you'll know that the the temperature, the land temperature, normally peaks around about roughly two hours after midday. So there's a little time lag, yeah. and and so that is suggestive of a spiraling movement. So instead of like a linear yes. movement, we've got this spiraling movement where you've got a like a wave that has a lag effect. Yes. Yeah? And, and so midday is the peak yang energy. However, um, for various reasons, the heat. Uh, peaks just a little bit later than that. Yeah, and we'll say that with the um, sort of that sine wave effect that uh, it's like the, the pulling of the yin causes the decline of the yang. So we have a, a, a baby yin time and then a baby yang time and a greater yang time and a greater yin time. Yeah. So it's the effect of um, the opposing force, the, the polarized force, pulling one way or the other way that causes yeah. that change to happen. That's right. And somehow people who lived thousands of years before us made very, very detailed studies of this change process. Mm. And, and we had things built like Stonehenge, which we're only now starting to understand takes advantage of the electromagnetic wave which sweeps across the earth as the sun rises. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's why it's yes. aligned to the dawn and that electromagnetic wave activates the, the crystalline stones mm. in the stone circles which would provide you know healing effects yeah. and, yeah. and those um those times where there is that rapid change sunrise and sunset they are times where traditionally you would do some kind of uh, contemplative practice or meditation to to sense into change and we know there's uh, atmospheric changes, uh, like concentrations of lithium ions in the atmosphere change at those times. And we have um, different light spectrums available, um, you know, more red light and, and so on at those times that have an impact on our health. Just as a human energy flow has follows a diurnal cycle also. Um, and we have chemical releases like yeah. uh, we know about melatonin and, and so on now. Yeah. Mm. And so just flicking back to planetary scale for a moment, this evolutionary process that's happening for us all right now is drawing us to reconnect with nature. And something else that is happening, which is showing up in scientific data, is that the background uh, resonant frequency of the planet, the Schumann resonance, is changing at the moment. Mm. And over the past month or so, uh, we've had a, a, an unusually quiet, period uh, for a short time in April mm -hmm. and now we've had a whole bunch of spikes of higher frequencies so mm -hmm. there's been a, a couple of uh, quite high spikes up to around the 80 hertz uh, mm -hmm. mark whereas the normal uh, frequency going back you know historically was was sitting around sort of 7.8 hertz roughly it's always fluctuated though but these fluctuations are uh, in our knowledge rather unusual they're unusual they? fluctuations in in the last few weeks also we've had a number of repeated spikes to 30 hertz which which have actually almost been in a, in a rhythmic kind of a pattern 
Um, so being evol- in an evolutionary sense, being drawn to reconnect with nature um, is also a gift in that uh, it's probably if we do that and we take the time out to do the, con- the kind of contemplative practices mm-hmm. that the Taoists have been doing for, you know, forever, uh, as in uh, you know, Qigong energy mm-hmm. work and, and also coordinated with these tr- transition times in the yin-yang cycles of the mm-hmm. day, we're allowing time and space for our body to be in tune with these earth changes. Absolutely. And if you looked at, uh, if we went back the other way, back to the individual level, and you saw the similar kinds of fluctuations that you're seeing in the earth now, and you looked at that, how would that be in an individual? You'd suggest that that individual's going through some kind of rapid change, some uh, immune response, some high alert. It would be like a, a fever or those kind of responses mm. where the body's um, creating a, a response to the environment or its internal conditions. Yeah, and of course this is showing up in planetary systems mm. with, our, for example, the, the climate, right, is all mm. over the shop at Absolutely. the moment yeah. um, and, uh, and other planetary systems. I mean, for many people, that's a, that's a long bow to draw. I mean, for us, that, that to me is a very obvious thing that the Earth is showing the same sort of mm. feverish symptoms, you, you could say, the hot and the cold extremes that our own uh, psychology and, and physical bodies are now starting yeah. to yeah. experience too. Yeah, but for some people, that's a hard, uh, well, a hard if, thing if to draw that the, comparison to. The yeah. The emergence of diseases within humans at the moment, you're getting an increase in uh, autoimmune diseases, uh, allergic responses, um, and some of them are histamine-driven responses Mm -hmm. that that are that um, response to the changing environment. Mm -hmm. And one definition of health is is that ability to adapt to change or to uh, live in flow and harmony with nature and the natural cycles. Yeah, and what we're essentially talking about here when it comes to consciousness is our adaptive intelligence, mm. our capacity to, to know, to sense and know and adapt. Yeah, and that essentially is health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Very the natural ability of the body and the body of the earth to adapt to the changes to, in its complex change. system yeah. and make some remedies within its own structure without even any yeah. input from the outside, you yeah, can to, say. To harmonize the inside and the outside mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. of yin and yang. And so, in a sense, uh, disease is is a, a cessation of that change process. Yeah, yeah. and there's that um, famous uh, World Health definition where they look at health as not merely the absence of disease, but uh, health as actually a, a wellness component as well. That um, harmony and flow um, are ways of preventing disease, and that's yeah. one of the things we really like to look at in Chinese medicine. Is we don't actually treat diseases; we treat patterns of disharmony to start with. Yeah. Um, and we do that by bringing more harmony and balance. And there's a yeah. general trend towards uh, focus on well-being across society now. Yeah. And what you were pointing to before, Nick, is is really a symptom of the modern scientific industrial paradigm. Yeah. Is this uh, perspective which doesn't see the connections between things? Mm. As you said earlier, that compartmentalisation yeah. that we've all come to not just live with, but almost depend on that structure and that that change away from that compartmentalisation, that reconnection between parts of the wholes of things, mm. is quite a big leap for some people. But it's clearly what is required of, uh, of us as humans on the planet now it is and it actually I mean it's literally a leap in consciousness it's a you know it's a step up to the next layer of consciousness uh, you know, and becoming aware of these connections and, and just opening your mind and, and that matches that with um, Chinese medicine thinking that the framework that we have within Chinese medicine is often to zoom out and see what patterns are there um, so we might look at a, a person as a whole rather than those individual parts and see the recurring patterns that might be in their, their lifestyle and their habits as well as um, what's showing up in their body in terms of symptomology. Yes. And in the process of re-identifying with, uh, with nature too and seeing ourselves as part of mm. nature, uh, one of the interesting things is it, is it also implies that we're subject to the cycles of nature. 
And uh, we can see that emerging in this uh, extinction rebellion movement that people are saying, well, hang on a minute, there's a mass extinction going on on the planet. We're part of nature and mm. part of the planet. Then that means, you know, the implications are that we're also uh, subject to that change process as well. Yeah. And, and obviously people are getting rather fearful around that at the yeah. moment. Mm. And just on Extinction Rebellion, thanks for your text. Someone has written in Extinction Rebellion has a meeting for the Northern Rivers tonight at uh, at 6 p.m. at the Commons in Mullumbimby. So if you're interested in that movement, which is a worldwide movement and growing quite fast, and we've been talking about it a bit here on this show, uh, that's the place to go at 6 p.m. tonight at the Commons in Mullumbimby for Extinction Rebellion. Mm. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about disconnection, of course, we've got so many examples, and maybe we'll refer to them a bit, a bit deeper as we go on, of the disconnection from nature in terms of our abuse of nature now, our own bodies, pesticides, uh, pharmaceuticals, um, and all the rest. I mean, we can, we can there's a whole, a whole long list. And the state of the healthcare system in most of our countries, in particular in the US, uh, is is quite incredible. And uh, just quickly mention this this uh, uh, before we take a little break here quickly. Uh, um, an example of what it's like in the, in uh, the US. We're not as bad here, but there's a, cons- a case of a nine-year-old uh, girl in uh, California who went into the woods on a summer camp with uh, classmates and got a snake bite and was uh, was airlifted out, an amb- ambulance transport, the whole thing, uh, ground ambulance as well. So quite a lot there. And, of course, the, the anti-venom, that, uh, anti-venine that had to be um, administered to her and so forth. But the total cost of this, have a guess, and what this cost in the in the American healthcare system for a girl, a nine-year-old girl, getting a snake bite and being treated in the hills? Have a guess. One hundred and forty-two thousand dollars. My goodness. One hundred forty-two thousand dollars. And uh, how, does it say how she paid that? <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think it does say how she paid it. I for think the rest it's of the her point, life. The probably. point. Yes, for the rest of her life, like the education mm. system. Yeah. I mean, out of the thirty-six countries in the OECD, the US now ranks thirty-first in infant mortality. For example, prescription drugs are the fourth leading cause of death in the United States, and so on. We'll, we'll probably dabble into these areas of these sort of negative areas more often. And we've got the, the case with pharmaceuticals and. Uh, and some of the uh, the fertilizers, things like Roundup and the pest killers and pesticides that have been used, all of these things in the system of the earth, in the body of the earth now. Yeah. Um, and so using these terms that I mentioned at the start of the show, which we'll, we'll uh, you know, throw around a fair bit in the future, uh, this is an example of the collapse of the old paradigm. And whenever a paradigm plays out, it at, at first it solves the problems created by the previous one. So the previous paradigm's collapsed, the new paradigm emerges with the solutions to those problems, then it will peak and it's again it's just a big uh, yin and yang cycle mm. isn't it uh, it will peak and it will reach its maximum performance and then slowly because of the extra complexity that it creates it will start to fail to cope and so what we're seeing now is the downhill slide of the scientific industrial era uh, and our social systems systems are a wonderful example of how um, the system designed for a simpler world are now failing to cope and we're seeing the collapse process the important thing to remember um, so as not to get overwhelmed by the negativity is that at the same time we had the new paradigm emerging so uh, you know it's really a time to be looking around for the emerging paradigm and to actively work to stand that up and reinforce and create those those new systems to replace I mean, that's, the a, that's a beautiful sim- uh, simple thing to say because you know in terms of personal health uh, and planetary health but personal health just just that just actually looking around for that that alternative reconnection those uh, those modalities 
people, situations, places you go, uh, nature itself, of course, that you can actually facilitate uh, and, and accelerate your own reconnection with nature. And yeah. that's available now for, for many people and, and really important to people. That's true. And, and interestingly, parallel to that, we're seeing a reconnection to our physical bodies. And so if you look at people who are in sort of late stage or layer five, who are, who is, you know, in that transition process between the old modern paradigm and the new relativistic humanistic paradigm, they start to pay attention to their bodies and they want to uh, optimize their bodies. Mm -hmm. So their approach is all about, you know, making my body perform the best. Mm. You know, still got that performance drive that comes from the modern mindset. That, that strive drive you know must try harder to do well, this well that's right because I'm thinking about sort of the superfood movement yes, and the, yeah. or everything becoming so trendy and designing yeah. it to do yoga to do this all to do super supplements super yeah. supplements yeah. all that kind of super stuff super supplements yeah, yeah. So, so they're all symptoms of this transition period where we've still got the old drive to do things harder and faster but it's being reoriented towards our, our body mm. uh, and improving the body and so at the same time as we're reconnecting with nature we're also reconnecting with our bodies um, which is an interesting fractal pattern in itself Absolutely. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking Future Sense here on Bay FM. You're tuned to Future Sense here. We do actually have a doctor in the house, a doctor, not a medical doctor, but... Doctor of Chinese Medicine. Doctor yes. of Chinese Medicine, which is yeah. not far from it. Probably in the future, doctors like yourself will be more the... The, uh, the thing than the, the well, current medical Just today profession. I heard that uh, Chinese medical diagnosis will be included in the next uh, WHO uh, standards in, released in 2022. Very good. Yeah. That's Dr. Stephen Booth, our special guest this morning, Doctor of Chinese Acupuncture and uh, Esoteric Acupuncture Aficionado and uh, also works on all sorts of things. And of course, Steve, Steve McDonald here with myself, Nick Jeans, in the chair on Future Sense this morning. We're talking health. We're talking about the state of health on the planet and uh, the way that that sort of uh, unfolded over, uh, over the last last uh, hundreds of years really the way we structure our healthcare system if you could call it that now and uh, the future of healthcare and uh, the changes that are coming in terms of vibrational and energy healing and the like um, a, a new study uh, conducted by researchers from the American Cancer Society has discovered that 137.1 million Americans suffered medical financial hardship in the past year, that's pretty close to. Well, it's not far from half the half the American population. Something like 40, 45 percent of the American population is suffering medical financial hardship. Uh, the wealthiest nation in the entire planet, as I said, and uh, they um, have supposedly the greatest healthcare system in the world, but not. And that's a symptom of uh, the the structure, the structural. Uh, uh, failings of uh, how we do health on this planet and uh, with that of course dealing with as has already been mentioned the many examples of extreme health conditions that didn't exist before or are exacerbated or the frequency of which has risen so dramatically over the last years one of those reasons of course is the amount of pollution in our uh, in our environment generally speaking speaking there's a a new study at King's College uh, London in collaboration, collaboration with the University of Suffolk which has found a diverse array of chemicals including illicit drugs and pesticides in the UK uh, rivers, in the river wildlife. The study published today in Environment International a few days ago looked at the exposure of wildlife such as the freshwater shrimp and many other um, things. So consumer products, medicines, drugs, all of these things end up in the rivers uh, after use and comprise thousands 
of different chemicals which have the potential to cause environmental harm. It's a big issue. One of the major ones of those which we talk about often here is glyphosate, Monsanto's uh, very famous, uh, infamous uh, Roundup, and we'll talk a bit about that too. So we have a very polluted environment. It's a big stretch now to actually heal ourselves via this since we're sort of immersed in this uh, in this soup of pollutants, really. Yeah. Let, let's just go back for a moment um, to the first article that you mentioned, which is the U.S. health system. Yeah. And there are a whole bunch of uh, characteristics of the modern scientific industrial perspective and worldview which have contributed to creating that. And one of them is just this general tendency which we find in the individually oriented uh, systems of consciousness, which is focused on the outside world and wanting to change the outside world. And of course, whenever you look at something and focus on something, then you're not focusing on something else. Mm. And so what we can see here is that the US has been externally focused, uh, focusing on the the rest of the world uh, and to the neglect of what's actually happening internally in the USA. Um, and that has, you know, I mean, it's been fatal for a lot of people, no doubt, because yeah. the, the health system has been neglected, underfunded. Um, and yet, uh, you know, the the amounts that have been spent on uh, external excursions by the USA and, and defense and those sorts of things are just mind-boggling. You know, they're, they're so large, I can't even pronounce them. They're crazy. Well, uh, just, you could just use one word for now in current times, and that is Venezuela. Yeah, well, uh, let's yeah. Let's move on. I mean, that's, that's, that's the latest... <laughs> <laughs> it's the latest one, isn't it? But gazillions uh, of money has just disappeared into the black hole, you mm. know, of uh, defence and the Pentagon budget and those sorts of things, mm. um, which they'll tell you has been lost, and they haven't quite they, they haven't got the accounting records, so they're not quite sure where it's gone. But it certainly didn't go to healthcare. We can we can say that for yeah. sure. Um, so that's that's interesting, and it's you know these things. The interesting about uh, the interesting thing about understanding these fractal patterns is that these things become predictable. So as we move forward into the future, we know now that the focus is shifting away from changing the external world and it's shifting towards changing our internal world with the communal system Uh, and with that it brings a blind spot you know the blind spot will be the external systems now um, because everyone's going to be so focused on changing themselves and adapting and and repairing all of the things that have been broken by the previous system Um, so using this basic understanding of patterns, we can start to predict some of the problems that are likely to emerge in the future and perhaps prepare for those if we've got the, the uh, mind space. And what are some of those problems? Let's, let's, let's look at a couple of those things there because we're, we're seeing so many problems. If you if you look at it, as you're saying, I mean, most, most people don't actually have the opportunity to look at that, but we're seeing a lot of these things exposed. Uh, our science is catching up, our ability to analyse and to look at what's actually in our bodies and how it's moving through the system of the planet and the body of the planet itself but you know the entire healthcare system arguably is completely dominated by pharmaceutical giants health insurance companies and and other corporate interests that's a that's a lot to get over even though there are companies and there's one example just recently of john kapoor a billionaire founder of insus another insus therapeutics found guilty of bribing doctors to prescribe high doses of a painkiller called subsis and some doctors made um, something like two hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year from prescribing up to six million dollars out of their uh, out of their surgery yeah. of this particular substance. And this is just one substance and one company. Yeah. So we're seeing that. But the, is it is it too late? Is the damage being done in our environment? It's a it's a big question. 
You mean the the natural environment? Yeah. I mean, certainly the damage has been done. Internal uh, and external. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, reparation to be made. And I think, you know, this is the focus of you know, movements like the Extinction Rebellion mm. movement who are saying this, it's enough. We need to actually fix these issues that have arisen. And it requires a paradigm shift. You know, we're not as... Um, as Einstein famously said, you yeah. know, you can't fix uh, a problem with the same thinking that created mm. it. So, so the modern scientific industrial approach is not going to cut it, and that's why our social systems are failing right mm. now. Mm. And we need new systems. We need systems that connect the dots. We need systems thinking, uh, where we start to connect all the different parts of the system and understand how they relate to each other. Mm. Um, the blind spot in this will be the tendency of the new paradigm to collapse hierarchies. And in collapsing hierarchies, they lose track of the cause and effect. And so what that means is that the solutions that people are thinking up now and will be implementing for the next you know, 10 or 20 years are going to be superficial in that they'll directly address the problems but sometimes miss the actual causes of the problems. Mm. And we've seen early uh, examples of this where this new paradigm thinking has been applied, for example, to the problem of uh, hunger in Africa. And so the thinking there has been to fix the problem, but it's been superficial thinking and it, and it has literally sent shiploads of grain to Africa to feed the people, but actually missing the fact that what's um, one of the, the factors, I mean, there are many, many factors that are causing the starvation in Africa, but one of them is conflict um, and conflict related to things like the random drawing of national boundaries post-World War II, which yeah. cut, you know, cultures in half and caused wars and those sorts of things. Yeah, tribal, tribal, so, so there are all, these, all yeah. these complicating causal factors, which are not probably not going to get addressed but from an evolutionary sense everything is perfect and the first thing that we need to do is to actually admit take responsibility for the fact that okay we've made a mess here things have gone wrong um from from our current perspective and they need to be fixed and and take those initial steps and simply you know bringing it into our consciousness is the first most important step and that's exactly what's happening in um, chinese medicine thinking we have this idea of treating the root is superior to treating the branch yeah there's a time to treat the branch and you know trim yes there's also if you treat the root causes then it's a superior medicine then you'll create a a longer lasting change yeah of course yeah and um we were talking before uh, about the pollution of uh, the environment, which was in those other mm-hmm. articles that Nick just mentioned, the, uh, the the identification of cocaine, pharmaceuticals, and pesticides in mm. river wildlife mm. uh, by researchers at King's College London, uh, and uh, and also the fact that we've we've got this glyphosate from Monsanto, mm. which just seems to be getting into everything. Yeah, like it's it's frightening. Exposed to a whole range of chemicals that we've never come across mm. before. You know, we've got antidepressants being found in fish and. Um, also, like electromagnetic pollution and even thought pollution. So I deal a lot in mental health and, you know, I'm seeing a lot of anxiety because the world looks like a really scary place to, to be mm. with uh, all the conflicting I ideas think, and value systems that we're mm. exposed to. I think it's really important to bring up that idea of thought pol- pollution or emotional pollution, yeah. that they were affected by our emotional, psychological mm. A psychic environment all the time, and again, that's something that we haven't been taught. We haven't been we haven't been uh, educated into that. We haven't been shown what to do about that. All of those sort of spaces of uh, of our immersion in the psychic, psychological, emotional, and physical environment, mm. we don't really know that much about how we actually interact with that. We're just yeah. starting to, to starting to know to see those flows in, in Chinese medicine. If we look at anxiety or even insomnia and those kinds of things, to a small degree, they're actually healthy. 
Um, if you have a flow yeah. that leads you to stay up a bit late at night and look at your life, there's a time where that's appropriate. The same, there's a flow where it's time to go through a depressive period because you might need to reassess something. Or anxiety can be the same thing. It might, might be that there's something that's really not right and you actually do need to address it. Yes. So just to squash those things immediately, might, to, you know, to treat the branch, might be the, the best idea. Mm. And to, to, to take a really clear perspective on this and to find the, you know, the best ways through this difficult period that the whole mm. planet is facing over the next few decades, um, it's, it's you know, best for us to try at least to step back and take a sort of a, a witness approach mm. to what's going on uh, so we can work with these deeper causal layers. And um, tell us a little bit about uh, acupuncture and how the, the creation of a disturbance is used mm-hmm. to treat something. Okay, so if, if I am uh, sticking a needle in someone, and without getting metaphysical or esoteric at all... Oh, go on. I'll, I'll, I'll avoid it for, for this moment. And I'll... I'll offer up a solution that's been studied quite a bit which is um, uh, what the physiological changes are when you needle someone so you get um, blood flow changes you get capillary dilation you get histamine response and uh, migration of uh, different immune cells to an area and that's going to create a a change and neurological change as well because we are activating the uh, nervous system so you're getting an immune response to a foreign object the needle and stimulation um, so that's giving uh, your body something to respond to and a, and a wake up. So in this way, we can use acupuncture even for a revival if someone's uh, been knocked unconscious. Now, Kung Fu training will, will learn how to do this and how to wake someone up using certain points for stimulation and revival of the spirit. Um, it can also be used to help um, say purge things out of the body by using points that will create a uh, release. Or um, the one that's been studied a lot is... Um, uh, modulation of immune response in terms of uh, sinusitis, chronic sinusitis, and hay fever. Um, that's been shown that acupuncture is extremely effective at uh, uh, treating uh, sinusitis uh, as an immune response by its uh, change in histamines. Mm. Yeah. So at a, at a global level, we could see these disturbances like the Extinction Rebellion protests as a little yes. needling of the old paradigm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, you, you could think of um, the immune cells of the species. Yeah. Um, it could, could be, look something like an Extinction Rebellion type. Making, of, making yeah. the, the larger consciousness pay attention. Yeah, yeah, something's, something's not right. Like yeah, get, get my the, attention, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Isn't that interesting from an evolutionary point of view? The other yeah. thing that happens is, um, you know, if, if you... Uh, in Chinese medicine, we talk about rebellious qi. So one of the things that happens is if you swallow some poison, um, your body will rebel against that. And that can look like uh, rebellious of stomach qi uh, is a vomiting process, or you might have a purging out the back end as well, which is a, a clearing or releasing. Mm. And and that, that process of, uh, of collapse, mm-hmm. you know, it's built into these natural systems, isn't it? I mean, I guess an obvious one is when the seasons change, uh, you know, in some places the trees drop their leaves mm. so that the tree's, you know, leaf system collapses and then yep. uh, re-emerges fresh. Mm. But it seems to be a, a truth, a, a truth that everything changes. I mean, if you just try breathing out for as long as you can and just try keep breathing out, It's you will only get so far and then you'll have to breathe in again. Yeah, yeah. That's just how it works. And so on, on a very large scale, a mass extinction on the planet is simply a purging process at a planetary level, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Yep. Or yep. 
And it's a, it's a great shame that we may have come to that place. Clearly, there are a lot of extinctions. But is it? But is it? This is the well, thing. Is if the it's thing. a natural cycle, you know, it, is it, it's no more a shame than the tree than the leaves dropping off the trees in, in wintertime. I mean, that might be a shame for some people, but for others, it's it's a you know. It's a but for many people, change. I mean, the, the focus on the, on individual species, you can understand. There's a passion. There's a compassion. Yeah. There's an empathy for the for the survival of for the health of all of all of nature arising as we're talking about in consciousness on the planet. Uh, but that specific sort of we can't lose this particular creature here um, is understandable in that sort of response and yet it, you know it doesn't take into consideration yes we unfortunately we are in this major upheaval and a, a lot of things actually have to pass away to mm. to make way for the new it's almost like compost for the new yeah it really it comes is, yes. uh, ultimately it comes down to a fear of death hmm. a fear of our own death a fear, of, a fear of endings grief. and mm. uh, you know the the limited perspective that there is such a thing as an ending mm. when in fact there actually isn't you know every ending is simply a transition to something else you're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. You're here on Future Sense now. It's 9.58 with myself, Nick Jeans, Steve McDonald, and our special guest, Dr. Stephen Booth in the studio. And we're talking health in all its forms. Um, one of the, the newest movements in health, of course, in the world, and most of you will be aware of this, is what we call the new psychedelic revolution, the potential for some of the natural plants uh, on the planet and other substances that are similar, analogues of the same, uh, for healing in all sorts of ways. We're talking, of course, about uh, medical marijuana, the obvious one, but also no psilocybin, uh, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms of various types, and uh, and various others, uh, LSD, uh, which is, of course, a, a chemical um, analogue of some of these uh, serotonin-acting substances, DMT, that uh, is a part of that equation too, and many others too. So uh, how's that How's that moving? Because there is such a, such a fast-moving... Uh, uh, such a fast-moving sphere, this sphere of new psychedelics, of psychedelics for healing on the planet. It's becoming uh, quite extraordinary, really, how it's moving. Not so much in this country, but there is movement here too. Yeah, it's it's actually moving a lot faster and a lot wider than most people think. And the reason that we're not fully aware of that is because a lot of it's being done underground because of the legal issues around psychedelics, which, uh, you know, they're all the classic psychedelics are illegal in most countries around the world. Uh, and yet they are proving to be amazing tools both for healing and for personal transformation and, and uh, when I, I first encountered psychedelics uh, many years ago and one of my main interests was their potential as a tool for tr the transformation of consciousness mm. and they seem to be serving that role extremely well and the interesting thing is that um, they have quite a broad spectrum effect and so um, first and foremost we've got the, the natural plant-based psychedelics which are playing you know, a role in reconnecting people with nature, bringing people's attention to the, the medicines which occur naturally uh, in the forest. And, uh, and of course, it's been a massive boon for, for, boom for sort of um, South America and the Amazon region uh, with uh, medicines like ayahuasca, etc. Mm. It's um, an interesting polarity, isn't it, that we have these natural medicines that are criminalised and what they do is connect you to nature, which is... Yeah, so well, it's, 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 it's a crazy time that we're living in where we're discovering these radically uh, effective medicines, mm. you know, um, and yet they're illegal. Mm. Uh, and uh, on the one hand, we've got Denver in... Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, the city of Denver yes. in uh, Colorado talking about decriminalising magic mushrooms. Um, there was an article yes. last week about that. Mm. Um, and, and that could uh, happen any day now, or very just about to. That's to, right. To move yeah, and I, I was I was mm. talking to a uh, a 
friend who runs a, um, a venture capital fund recently, an American who's expecting Colorado to to legalize mushrooms completely by next year. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know he's he's talking about the possibility of setting up um, businesses based in Colorado that could um, produce and distribute that medicine to the world potentially in oregon they're also looking to put their own magic mushroom decriminalization measure on the state's 2020 election ballot that's happening there and also oakland california is uh, is looking uh, towards is gaining momentum towards the same sort of decriminalization too in that part of, uh, of the states that's right and um, some people might say that the old paradigm has made such a huge pile of bullshit that the only thing we can do is grow <laughs> mushrooms <laughs> that's awesome of course we have some some movement here in australia uh, too and also in the uk with imperial College London, a bit of a sketch about that because, as you said, there's there's an acceleration in this, and there's so many people who are interested in this space, but still kind of not, in my experience, not quite up to how fast this is and how meaningful this is because there is sort of a hangover still of, of fear and and the the perpetration of the propaganda against these substances for many many years now, so certainly since the 60s and before that as well. Yeah, I mean, so that's a slow change, really, isn't it, to, in people's conscience to to give these give some some space to the possibility that these substances are. are very valuable they are catalysts for change and mm. for that reason the old paradigm cracked down on them you know the i mean people like nixon when he was president of the usa saw social change occurring and that this is you know was at a time when the the us was at war in vietnam and now um, you know wanting people to go off and fight the war mm. and uh, members of the public were getting exposure to cannabis and and the classic psychedelics and their worldview was changing they were starting to protest against the war and so that's what part of the reason at least why we've ended up with these crazy laws which make these medicines illegal Um, but it is shifting I mean even here in Australia things are shifting fast our uh, study in Melbourne with St Vincent's Hospital uh, with psilocybin is going to go ahead very soon we're just waiting on the psilocybin Mm. to arrive and we've got other things in the pipeline we've got a a potential MDMA for PTSD study in the pipeline Uh, and also there's there's more talk of uh, another psilocybin study, I think, to treat depression, um, which may be coming as well. So things are moving very, very rapidly and much more quickly than we see in the media because, like I said, a lot of it's happening underground. And, of course, in uh, London at the Imperial College, uh, Imperial Centre for Psychedelic Research, uh, uh, there's quite a bit of movement going there with, um, with Tim Ferriss, who's a, a very well-known podcaster, author and investor. In fact, uh, his podcast has had 300 million listens. That's probably me making sound. <laughs> Someone's talking to me. And <laughs> Getting alerts. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, this is something for us to uh, aspire to, Nick. Um, I'm just reading here on Wikipedia that Tim Ferriss's podcast has had over 300 million downloads. That's uh, not quite as many as we've had yet. No, but, not you know, quite. No. He's catching up. He's catching yeah. up. We're going to have to do better, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Tim is, uh, has made a financial contribution to help the establishment of uh, this Imperial Centre for Psychedelic Research in London, um, which is uh, uh, connected with uh, Robin Carhart Harris and his wonderful work at Imperial College London there, together with David Nutt, of course, is a, a well-known uh, global figure. I've had the, the pleasure of having a couple of chats with David. And he's an amazing advocate of psychedelic medicines and uh, has the knack of coming across as a very mainstream sort of a chap dressed mm. in his suit and, and that. And which we've, is we've talked about on this show, we've alluded to and talked about a little bit uh, the opioid crisis, particularly in America, and we're not super that far behind in this country or many other Western countries now that that opioid crisis uh, is treating some of these symptoms of of 
of uh, of malaise of this era of the change of the paradigm shift and people's inability to cope one way or the other, not understanding and having to dumb themselves down to some degree. Mm-hmm. But those psychological issues are real. But we're looking now at substances, natural substances, often that can actually do a much better job than this, these opioids. So it's very threatening, of course, to the powers of be. It's threatening it's to those companies. It's threatening, yeah. And I, you know, I suspect this is why the cannabis laws have been, uh, you know, essentially politically blocked here in Australia. Even though there, there have been concessions made, and technically speaking, medical cannabis is legal here. The yeah. process for obtaining it and the process for, uh, you know, being a supplier and everything else has been absolutely slowed down uh, intentionally by our politicians. Yeah. And um, you've got to factor in that Australia is a very, very big player in the opium poppy market globally. Yes. Uh, Tasmania so is one of the biggest growers, I think, with Turkey in the world of a particular um, a particular opium poppy. The, the, the Thebane variety, Thebane, which is yes. used to produce the um, oxy. Oxycontin. Yeah. Um, that resistance to change as well and that the inability to ad- adapt and move forward does have a time when it's healthy, you know, to... Mm. Desire to maintain the homeostasis is, is an appropriate response at yes. times yeah. until it's no longer appropriate. Yeah, yeah. And we have to adjust. So how do you know when it's not appropriate? Because that's a such a great such anymore. a great point. When it doesn't work. Okay. How do you know when it doesn't work? Um, when you can't <laughs> adapt to the internal and external conditions, so you get those okay. alert responses yeah. um, when things just don't feel right anymore, or you start to have um, the expression of uh, symptoms. So those yeah. patterns of disharmony reach a critical mass where, yeah. where something shows up. And we talk about that on this show all the time mm-hmm. using the term evolutionary tension mm-hmm. and the slingshot effect. And so you need the tension in order to create change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so it's even though it, it can be uncomfortable to experience, mm-hmm. it's part of a normal part of the change process. Isn't Thanks it? for your text to uh, uh, and Stephen Booth was just talking there. Someone has written in. So what's the name of the acupuncturist on the show before? Very great chap, but I had to get out of the car before I could catch his name. When you're back in the car, wherever you are, yeah. uh, it's Dr. Stephen Booth over here who's, uh, who's currently living in Melbourne but often visiting up here and yeah. one of our associates. Uh, and your website, you. Steve, is... Yeah. drstephenbooth.com.au. Stephen with a V. Yeah, with a V. Yeah, Dr. Stephen Booth. Fantastic. Um, there's there's so many angles to take to take this from, and I don't know if there's anything else to talk about. We, we talk about psychedelics a lot here, and for many people it's like a no-go zone still, and other people are very, very interested. I have a friend whose name I shall not mention who's... Uh, just anecdotally in the last couple of months I've just reconnected with him for quite a close friend for 30 years and he'd sort of gone off the map for a few months and I didn't know where he was and now I've discovered that he's actually been healing himself mm. from quite a severe depression which I think came from a, an accident that he had uh, with psilocybin, with, uh, with microdosing of psilocybin and you know anecdotally and this is a man who's had this kind of experience before not, not, not new to psychedelics and he's long history and yet some somehow from the, the the sort of party or the you know the fun uh, application of these substances suddenly turning to healing with these substances and a completely different experience and a different a deepening of uh, his own connection to to nature and to himself through that natural substance so you know when i hear that uh, personal recent local anecdotal evidence it's very obvious that we've got something magical here in front of us with uh, with the proper application of these psychedelics and the proper research that needs to come to i guess people will uh, choose different substances and different ways of using substances according to their lay of consciousness that they're operating from won't they so 
um, you know, someone might choose to numb something out so that they can keep going and keep going. Yes. Someone might move into more of a feeling state and uh, move into connection. And that yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, even from a recreational point of view, mm. if you look at the way that people use drugs mm. uh, for altered states recreationally, you know, in the individually oriented modern strive, drive world, the tenants used to use stimulants like yes. cocaine, cocaine. And, yep. mm. and those sorts of things mm. because they fit with the general mm. approach to life. Whereas in the emerging communal, you know, humanistic network centric paradigm mdma is much more popular mm-hmm. because it's all about feeling connected mm-hmm. and that's that's you know part of that perspective Where some other substances like uh, lsd mushrooms that are being microdosed for productivity so you can uh, help your your business run yes, and yeah. operate it's a completely different way of uh, thinking about things yeah. yeah um talking about these drugs of course a legal drug in australia that's uh, most well known of course is alcohol along with tobacco australian institute of health and welfare in another article revealed that alcohol was the number one drug causing australians to seek professional help in 2017 to 2018 this is from the foundation for alcohol research and education f-a-r-e uh, a well-known dr caldicott pops up everywhere uh, as part of this and um the alcohol industry lobby group is pointed to as one of the most powerful in the country they're extremely active in parliament and they are very big donors alcohol industry lobby groups work hard to make sure the government doesn't implement policies that will reduce sales such policies include higher taxes or stricter regulations and of course the suppression of some of these other um, substances uh, uh, medicines as we're talking about so you know that's that's you know it's the elephant in the room really isn't it in particularly in a country like australia that alcohol is a, is a huge business and causes so much damage i think there's uh, this article says i think there's five and a half thousand Australian lives are lost and more than 157,000 people are hospitalised each year due to alcohol abuse. That's huge. Yeah, and uh, and again, you know, it's a symptom of the old paradigm. Really, our widespread alcohol use goes back to not just the, the previous paradigm but the one before that, which was the authoritarian mm. paradigm where there were no real immediate rewards in life. You always had to work hard for a, for a period of time before it came. Like, you know, you, you work for 20 years and you got your gold watch or like you're a really, really good person at least in the eyes a- of God for your entire life and then you get to go to heaven later. Um, that was kind of the mindset. And, and of course, to, to put up with that, you had to numb yourself mm-hmm. down. And so alcohol, you know, was the drug of choice for that particular generation and it's persisted. I remember reading a book years ago, I can't remember the title, I think I mentioned it before, it's a short book, English book, about uh, the Middle Ages in, in England and, and the use of uh, whiskey and beer, uh, and basically as, as nutrition often, uh, and they would drink these things in the morning, but of course filled with uh, wheat ergot. Mm. Which is uh, very is very similar to LSD. So the, the theory of this particular little book was that the whole of the Middle Age uh, England was kind of a, a bit uh, a bit nuts most of the time. It does explain some of the weird art you see, around, yeah, you know, people flying through the air and all that kind of stuff from Middle Age art. <laughs> it's true, yeah. <laughs> Putting big, huge stones in these circles somewhere and just appearing overnight, all those other things, yeah. But, um, yeah, look at alcohol. David Caldicott uh, that you Mm, just mentioned, uh, who's an emergency physician from Canberra and is also one of the the leaders and main advocates and organisers and uh, and doers of the whole pill testing movement here in Australia. And he was... um, you know, very much involved in the, the second formal uh, pill testing trial that they did just recently he's in Canberra, which is very, very successful. Can't avoid that big he, Irishman. He's, he's mad, a mad Irishman, but Funny uh, an amazing gift to the world. He yeah, really is, indeed. yeah. And, and not afraid to speak his uh, mm. his mind mm. in, in the most Irish fashion. Um, alcohol. Now, there was a, another article, Nick, about uh, a trend towards non-alcoholic um, public bars. 
Oh yes, this yes. is a, this is a piece on um, healthy partying. Healthy partying. Welcome to the underground world of healthy clubbing That's from the one. Bon Appetit. Dot com clubs in New York City are incorporating wellness practices to help rovers. So, oh, ravers, <laughs> <laughs> rovers is good too. Help to help ravers and rovers find self care after dark. Yeah, what's this about? It's it's, it's a, obviously coming out of New York City. Again, you know, we've got the the collapse and the emergence. So we've got the all the damage being apparent from uh, the the use of alcohol, and we're just you know figuring out that okay, our our drug classification and. Uh, legal scheduling system is not based on science so it actually is not about how dangerous drugs are it's just about what we're used to and and what's socially acceptable and what's not Mm. Um, and so at the same time as this collapse is becoming apparent so is the emergence and here's the new paradigm rising it's it's uh, young people who've grown up with exposure to alternative means of obtaining altered states and um, that need to obtain altered states is a is part of our life it's a you know we, we would die humans would die if it wasn't for altered states because every night we go into an altered state called sleep and it's essential and if you don't sleep enough then you can't live so you know it's part and parcel of who we are um, getting into altered states allows us to take different perspectives on life and that is one of the key tools that uh, support us through change is being able to obtain new insights and perspectives on how we can live life differently. That's great that, uh, of course, with uh, in, in Graves' configuration in Layer 6, uh, people coming together in these ways and, and looking for ways to be uh, together in an uh, egalitarian and healthy environment and to explore that uh, that notion of how to be as healthy as possible within uh, some of the old frames of partying or being together. Um, I was going to say here, so one of these clubs is interesting. So there's a, a place with deep listening, uh, plant-based cuisine, and ab- adaptogenic cocktails. So the word adaptogenic is kind of obvious, but what does that, what does that mean in terms of, uh, of this discussion? It'll do different things according to your inner state. Mm. So an adaptogen will um, bring more yang if you need more yang, or bring more yin if you need more yin, in simplest terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. And um, yeah, and there is a trend here. I mean, um, Ray Thorpe, who runs the uh, the Happy Herb Shops here in Australia, has been exploring that plant-based uh, elixir scene for a while, and he's yeah. got a, he's got a place here in Byron yes. Bay called Elixir Bar, and and uh, I think he's got a couple in other places as well. So he's been a leader in that kind of thing here in Australia, and I, I think we're going to see a continuing trend away from the use of alcohol as a recreational drug and towards the use of, of other things which are healthier for us, basically. I've got an article here that says uh, Professor David Nutt from the UK, who was recently in Australia, is uh, creating an alcohol-free booze because he, you know, he talks about the dangers of alcohol as being more dangerous than crack. So he's creating a synthetic alcohol. Yes. Yeah, he's been working yeah. on that for a while. I spoke yeah. to him about that a few years back when he was in Australia, and he was, he was I think he was originally looking at, at like a drug to counter the hangover mm. impact of alcohol, but now obviously he's moved to you know to providing something that works like alcohol but isn't, yeah, okay. and, and without the the health detriment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's always uh, the the trend aspect, isn't it? I mean, that that hangover of things becoming trendy. Like we must do this. We must wear the particular yoga pants. Mm-hmm. We must go to that particular thing where they have that particular sort of superfood cocktail, the adaptogenic something or other, and that that uh, I, I guess it's a it's a movement that most people need to pass through where they start to adopt 
uh, newer and better, arguably better lifestyle choices, food and, and experiences. And then it becomes a bit of an addiction in some ways and a bit of an obsession for some people. They kind of have to move through that too because people can go too far the other direction. That's just another part of the process, isn't it? It's kind of like fossil fuels, isn't it, really? You know, you get used to burning that coal and petrol and stuff and it, it's really hard to change. But uh, it's a matter of yeah. the alternatives becoming available. And that's really the biggest thing is uh, I think a lot of people who are addicted, whether it be to alcohol or fossil fuels, if they're presented with an affordable and practical alternative that's better for them, they'll probably choose that if it works better for them personally. You know, it's, but it's just a matter of uh, the the slow um, change of the systems, mm-hmm. our supply systems and, and our social systems and things to make that happen. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate and spiral up. And we're talking about planetary and personal health and processes of change, change patterns, fractal change patterns, big and small. And at the moment, we're in this transition from the modern way of living to the postmodern way of living, which is characterized by a change from individuality to a community focus. And all of our systems and approaches to life are are flavored by that. And of course, if we're looking at healthcare, then you might have noticed that there's a, a strong rising interest in group health-oriented activities, you know, mm-hmm. albeit uh, either general well-being and fitness or from you know a deeper um, pathological sort of uh, focus. And uh, Steve, you were just saying during the break, a uh, really interesting little fact about the thymus gland. Talk yeah, about I that. was looking for a reference for it, but I couldn't find it. But my recollection is that um, there was a study done where they looked at people that were exiled from tribal environments and looking at their thymus gland and seeing that it had atrophied. And what happens when those people are exiled is that their immune system starts to fail and the thymus gland produces T cells, immune cells. So they'll get sick and uh, often die from uh, just regular illnesses mm. that are going around. Um, and that's a, a lack of uh, community, a mm. lack of uh, you know collective uh, love feeling, really. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, gosh, Nick, you used to work on the Path of Love program, didn't you? Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a really strong theme, you know, the the heart opening yeah. theme that's coming. Yes, and yeah. to be and as as you're saying, to be mm. seen. Of course, it's very frightening for most people in in the the, the period the, the last period of uh, in, in Graves's and Claire W. Graves's work in the the uh, as you said the, the the modern period and the period we've been under for quite a long time the period of competition and and uh, and, com- and, uh, and consumerism and corporate corporatism and so forth in that era a lot of isolation has has occurred for mm. people and um, in in a world where we're on one hand incredibly connected via our technology where actually many people are, are feeling particularly i think in the cities very isolated mm. so to come out of that isolation though is very scary because it, it is be what you know it is what you yeah it can mm. be very confronting so those kind of practices and there has been as steve is saying these communal health practices the, where people are working on their stuff in one way or the other somehow or perhaps they're doing a sound healing journey or uh, or five rhythms dance mm. or something where they're back in community to reconnect and to get over that uh, that fear of actually being with another in mm. a more vulnerable place and things like path of love which i worked with for many years and many much other good work does exactly that gets people into a situation where essentially they can't really in a very nice way in a very loving and held way can't get away from actually facing themselves mm. 
and 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 dropping into a vulnerability and being seen in that mm. vulnerability, which I think is the key thing. The the, the key thing is actually to be seen yep. in your pain and is one of the most healing things of all. So supportive. If, if anyone's ever been through one of those experiences where you have an entire group yep. uh, working with you or uh, holding you, holding space for you, or physically touching you and um, sending good feelings, mm. it is incredibly overwhelming and reinforcing for your energy field mm, yeah, um, absolutely yeah, you feel yeah. good really 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 good <laughs> yeah Although, and uh, you know with this there's a, it's a theme that's running through a whole bunch of different things you see it in social media the, mm. with the likes like you want to be mm. seen you want to post oh, yeah. your photo you want to be liked so you want to you want to feel that connection from others and feel the impact of someone else's perspective on your well-being and yet for many people that's brought up exactly the same sort of stuff in the in the world without that in, in that uh, am I liked or am I disliked it's the same yeah. it's it's not very deep, is it? And, and that's that's a problem with it. No, well, and but that, it's, a, you know, it's a bridge. It's a factor of the technology that we're using being designed and mm-hmm. produced by an individually oriented mm-hmm. paradigm. Okay, so the disconnection mm-hmm. is built in, and so it's giving us a, a disconnected connection in in terms that we're not we're not there in person. Mm-hmm. We're not having you know body to body face-to-face yeah. contact we're just doing it through an electronic means, which is uh, which is disconnected by nature. And superficial. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, these uh, a lot of this uh, this area, the coherence of the heart. We talk about, uh, we mention often on this show, the Heart Math Institute, which has been in existence for quite a long time, and uh, that institute has been working very much on on the the, the idea of coherence in particular, and uh, the internal and self modulating self uh, self modulating um, and regulating uh, experience of coherence, but also that ex- that coherence which arises when you're with another, when you're with other people, mm-hmm. and how that's actually expanding. Now and opening up to uh, to a, a sort of healing potential, I would say, in just that more natural, more vulnerable, more honest experience and expression between people on the planet that seems mm-hmm. to be rising, and, and also more physical, actually physical touching mm. too. I think where it's appropriate, because of course this is also a contested space too. Yeah, of course. Oh, can't can't touch that person because that's going to be this or that. Mm. But actually, in, in a safe place, there's so much more actual touch and genuine hugging and love. That's physical now, and that, that's clearly a very important thing too. That that physicality of touch Definitely. for I people mean, between people. We are kind of uh, tend have that tendency at the moment to live in uh, little isolated little boxes and not know our neighbours and those kinds yeah. of things. And, and that is that lacking of uh, community and tribe and, and those um, yes. those yin aspects, collective aspects. Yeah. And much of it's driven by a rejection of the old paradigm too and a realisation that because the, the old paradigm's trajectory has run its course and it's got to the point where it's now degrading, collapsing, uh, and uh, the systems are no longer useful, you know, the, the tendency with layer six is to want to throw it out the window and, and uh, you know, rebound in, in the opposite direction mm-hmm. um, to, to yeah. fix you know, what seems to be this extreme disconnection problem. So, so we're, we're going almost to other, the other extreme in terms of, you know, trying to connect mm. and experience. Until yeah. that doesn't work anymore, and we have to <laughs> that, it all. that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's a cycle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, it's a fascinating pulse what you're talking about there, because I'm, I'm thinking as you speak there of many people that I know who are coming through that that transition and uh, enter these kind of new spaces of, of connection and coherence. Uh, like a child and naively and beautifully often but then become you know uh, too attached to that as well and that Mm -hmm. this is the way and this is the path and again all of this is just as we're saying is just part of the process of evolution as we move from one uh, one paradigm to another paradigm yeah yeah yeah, exactly yeah Mm -hmm. We want to talk a little bit about the I Ching too. We're going to yeah, so um, 
often um, Steve and I catch up uh, regularly and we're researching a number of different areas um, in, a, in a broad spectrum really from you know the nature of consciousness and transforming consciousness through medicine and, the, and uh, Taoist philosophy on understanding the change process and so recently we've been diving deeply into the I Ching and uh, it's otherwise known as the Book of Changes mm. and it's very very old document which I think goes back a couple of thousand years yeah I think and it's almost the oldest book in the world it's one of the oldest one books. of the oldest ones yeah. There's, yeah there's been a few uh, transitions of, of it as well and a few different uh, maps and layouts versions yeah yeah, versions. yeah, yeah. exactly and for those of you who might not be familiar with it it describes 64 aspects of change so e each one of those is represented by um, a, uh, a hexagram a, a hexagram yeah, yeah. And each, each hexagram is then made up of two trigrams, yep. which are made up of three broken or unbroken lines to represent a shift or a phase shift between yin and yang. Yeah, so it's based on the you know the fundamental Taoist understanding of the change process, which is this cyclic dynamic uh, exchange or transition from yin to yang to mm -hmm. yin to yang. And um, the interesting thing about it is that uh, Nassim Haramain's work has been delving into the underlying structures of space-time mm -hmm. and what he's found of course is this um, 64 tetrahedron grid mm -hmm. which he's in a rather genius fashion has realized that each uh, tetrahedron has six lines in it and depending on your perspective on the 64 tetrahedron grid those lines can appear broken or unbroken mm -hmm. and so you can actually dismantle his model of the structure of space-time and get the I Ching, which is it's amazing, pretty amazing. And Harriman's work also talks about the 64, the number 64 itself, which is an interesting number and appears on all sorts of places. And I've just read some of those, which is rather interesting. Yeah. Go, you go right ahead, yeah. yeah. As 64 codons in human DNA, 64 hexagrams, as we're talking about in the I Ching, 64 sexual positions in the Kama Sutra, 64 classical arts listed in many Indian scriptures, uh, 64 is the maximum number of strokes in any Chinese character. I think that's really fascinating. Uh, it's the number of cells we have before our cells start to bifurcate. That's very fascinating, 64 being that number. Shortly after conception, that happens. 64 is a fundamental in computer memory bits and coding. You would probably know that. Um, and and so on. And 64 things are needed to be able to approach the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord according to the two copper scrolls that were found among the 300 Dead Sea Scrolls. I tried to find what these 64 uh, things were the other day, yesterday, to try and figure out what you needed to approach the Ark of the Covenant, but I couldn't find what they I couldn't find a list of the 64 things. I thought I'd start practicing. <laughs> but it goes on and on. 64 che um, squares on a chess set, of course, and checkerboards, 64 Braille characters in the old six-dot system, and so on. So it's, a, it's a seriously, and, and also 64 is the number of generations from Adam until Jesus, according to the Gospel of Luke. And it's clear there's some sort of mystic knowledge there. Yeah, very, very interesting. And it's also interesting, as you, you said in one of those things, that our modern-day computer system seems to use these same yeah. uh, numbers. And um, so if you take the 64 characters in the I Ching and... Uh, lay them out in certain sequences you know you can start to unpick interesting patterns of change and get a deeper understanding of the change process right. so most people know the I Ching as a divination tool so uh, throwing the, the coins or throwing the arrow sticks and getting a, a reading of mm. uh, what might be occurring for you and maybe in relation to a question yeah. and the reason that that works is because uh, the I Ching provides a framework of uh, patterns, of understanding patterns and the change process mm. itself. 
Mm. So looking at the way uh, things relate to one another. So within the trigrams, you have uh, an upper and a lower trigram that represent a yang thing and a yin thing, mm. and then together they produce something in the middle. Then by combining two trigrams, you have a, a relationship between the two trigrams and the way the positions change. So the way the yin and yang within each line changes can give a lot of information. The more you, you pull at those threads, the more you can see in it. And the Book of Changes itself, the I Ching, I mean, it has a number of translations, but each one has a, a lot of detailed information uh, around feeling states, um, experiences, and uh, can help you map where you are within a change cycle and the positioning um, of where you've come from and where you're going so that you have a, a greater ability to, to sense and you've got more data points. You've got more information about where you've come from, where you're going, mm. and where you are. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fascinating actually as you're, as you're speaking that the, the notion of divination itself, which of course is as old as you know, civilizations on this planet going back in every, in every place, um, how does the, the, the role of divination of one type or the other play into health and healing at this time? Does it, how does that work? Because many people say that's just woo-woo, it's rubbish, you know, and, and then many other people are, are very focused on, well, where are my Venus or my Mercury today? That's, mm. I'm, I'm not so well today because of this, which is, you know, a I, bit I like simplistic. To look at those things as, again, uh, pattern recognition. Pattern so, recognition, so, yes. So okay. uh, astrology as well as a, as a movement of um, uh, constellated energies that um, will show up different aspects, so different uh personality type possibly or different archetypal mm -hmm. um, energy systems that are, are brought together and the way they move through um, can be reflected in an individual and where they're at um, uh, might be their their makeup and their ability to relate to another person um, or even to themselves <laughs> and to the world around them yeah mm. so and, and that of course is is going to indicate some of their potential health issues yeah. or uh, you know, we look at patterns of disharmony in Chinese medicine so what, what's up and why and how to uh, intervene in that to bring someone back into flow as early as possible mm. so we're you know working with preventative medicine as much as possible mm. and I guess the divination is part of that to see what's coming yeah, yeah. well what's coming this Basically. week we, we've um, Steve uh, pointed me last week or so to a website bobbyklein.com mm. who uh, it gives a, a weekly reading, and they're, they're very good. And this week's reading for May the 6th, which is today onwards, is for Gradual is Jian, number 53, Jian, Gradual Advance. And uh, it says, Roses in a vase carried in from the garden, red roses of love. I like that. Gradual Advance. Yeah, and uh, myself and a few people that I've been talking to have been feeling this theme unfolding over the last week. So um, I found I was being drawn to just drop everything in the middle of feeling like I was overly busy mm. and just go do something that was more nurturing and um, mm. that was actually going to serve me and put me in a better place you know, in order to manage what seems to be a lot of change going on at the moment in the world. And that fractals into the astrology for this new moon. It fractals into uh, the phase we are here locally in terms of the seasonal cycle and uh, autumn and everything slowing down mm. and, and moving inwards. And Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And so what we've been playing with uh, is we, we looked at the, we are looking at the King Wen sequence of the, the I Ching, and the 64 characters are not arranged in numerical order. Mm -hmm. um, but what we've noticed is that they, when you sort of look at them in, in a standard representation, they're laid out in, in like tabular form, which is sort of a square arrangement. We, we've noticed that um, there's a very, very old image, which I dug off 
off the internet somewhere of the I Ching laid out in a shape that looks like a donut, mm -hmm. which is actually it's a two-dimensional map of a torus shape. So a torus, a toroid is basically a, a toroid shape is a donut shape. Most people know what a donut looks like. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the donut, um, it, it also represents the same shape um, as a black hole, basically. Um, and Haramain, in his, Nassim Haramain in his work says that everything has the nature at, at its center has that uh, fundamental nature of a black hole which is basically a torus, uh, energetic torus shape. So anyway, the torus has a north and a south pole mm -hmm. um, which of course is yin and yang and then uh, everything in the universe has spin you know, if you if you go down to the to the most fundamental particles, they all have spin. Um, so what we've found in this this very very old uh, flat donut shaped image is it has thirty two of the characters. So half of the characters from the I Ching uh, in the center of the donut hole, half yin and half yang, and then the other thirty two are on the out, outer boundary, which represent the, and those the inner boundary and the outer boundary on the flat diagram represents the north and south pole mm -hmm. of the actual three D toroid. And then the change process runs in a spiraling fashion and there are eight steps connecting the two poles. Mm -hmm. So for each aspect of change, for it to move to a different aspect of change, it has to go through these eight steps to reach the other pole. And there was a breathing in and out movement as well, like you'd move from the inside to the outside until you can't go out anymore and you'd move back in. That's, that, that's yeah. right, yeah. And the spin can be in both directions. Mm -hmm. And there's an interesting correlation with computer code because you've got 64 characters and if you lay them out, uh, in a linear form and then understand that you can flow through the sequence forward or backwards so each character has a forward or a backwards uh, orientation mm -hmm. depending on how you experience it how you come across it mm -hmm. so that gives you 128 and then if you put spin in bring spin into the process as well two directions of spins you get 256 which of course is mm -hmm. an important uh, computer code dimensional shift as well, doesn't it, when you're taking this 2D image and uh, imagining it in three dimensions yes. and, and seeing it um, as, it, as it would be expressed in a in an actual field would be three dimensions at least, and maybe spin creates a fourth. Yeah, yeah. So all that probably sounds like wild esoteric theory to, to most of the listeners, but the, the interesting thing from my point of view is that if we can just crack this and we're, we're very close to doing it then we'll have a very very detailed map of change and that can help us understand to diagnose a change state and to understand what's next in a change process to an incredible amount of detail and it could be digitized it could be put into a, a computer form the, the other thing that was interesting in that was the positioning um like the, each of those data points might have an individual kind of feeling about it but the positioning where it's at uh, will create an entirely different perspective on it so it's just like if you have a note mm. in music you play the same note in a different sequence it might sound or feel different yeah yeah, yeah exactly and so if anybody's listening uh to the show or to the podcast and they know about this kind of um taurus based map of the I Ching, and maybe they're further down the track and, and analyzing it than we are please reach out mm. and you can email me at steve at futuresense.it would love to hear from you if you've got any more Very information good. on this. Particularly practical application, I'm yeah, yes. especially keen. And it's a good point to mention that you can listen to our podcasts via that website, futuresense.it. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking Future Sense here on Bay FM. 
10.45 here on Future Sense and the last 15 minutes of the show, Pregnancy, Birth and Beyond, coming up at 11 o'clock. As usual, we've been talking about health and healing. There's so much to talk about here, ranging widely, and hopefully there's been some things that have uh, clicked in with you. One of the things, I guess, that uh, many people consider is that technology hasn't been particularly good for our health in so many ways. And there's some evidence to, to, to say that. And, of course, there's currently the big debate around 5G, which is a, a big thing, but um, we'll come back to that another time again. Actually, technology's been amazingly good for our health. Well, there we you go. Not, so not be where we are today if it yeah. wasn't for technology. So, so flesh that out, because there's been yeah. some, just some recently, some uh, announcements also by Apple talking about this, uh, their con- contribution to health. Yeah, well, with, with the general move in the paradigm shift towards connection and the visibility of systems and those sorts of things, uh, some of the things that are showing up are, for example, uh, Apple's uh, smartphones and smartwatches now have the capacity to monitor your vital signs. Mm. Um, and the, the Apple Watch in particular um, can uh, to monitor your heart rhythm and then um, if you want to share that data, it can go into, you know, collective databases where they can analyze what is a a healthy rhythm and also they they can feed in uh, medical data on uh, how heart rhythms look just prior to heart attacks and those sorts of things and and as I understand it the the Apple Watch or I don't have one myself but uh, Ross Hill does who's one of our advisors in, in Melbourne morning Ross um, my, I, as I understand it, uh, the the watch can actually warn you if you look like you might have a, mm. might be going to have a heart attack just by monitoring your heart rhythms and matching that with known medical data. Um, and just, you know, just the whole big data space in itself is amazing. The amount of data that we're it is like collecting. just as I was saying before, the more data points we have, the more information we have, the mm. clearer patterns show up. And yeah. we're, if we're interested in looking at patterns and flow and and change and um, you know cycles and rhythms and um, biorhythms and things that this could be quite an interesting thing in terms of being able to spot and predict things earlier um, if we suddenly saw spikes in the heart rates in the population for instance that might give us more information about uh, something's going on that we're not aware of and we can respond to that that's right mm. yeah and um, you know it all ties into the planetary picture as well because with the the climate changing at the moment and the sun going through um, just just about to start actually grand solar minimum mm. which is going to run from 2020 to 2055 the protective layer that's normally provided by the solar wind uh, is is dying back because the sun's going quiet and uh, we're going to be subject to more cosmic ray impact, mm-hmm. uh, which has health implications. There are a number of studies out there which talk about the potential health and actual health implications mm-hmm. of, um, of cosmic ray impact. So these sorts of things and having the technology to to monitor large numbers of people um, who are volunteering, of course, to be monitored yes. um, from a, a positive, constructive health angle, you know, is going to be, I think, very, very beneficial and very useful as we move forward into life conditions which are unknown, you know, for us, mm. um, unlike anything that, that we've lived mm-hmm. through in, throughout history, yeah. I yeah. wanted to ask you guys uh, in the last few minutes we have today about... Um, light body light body activation because that seems to be uh, where the cutting edge may well be beyond the physical body that we are also we are more than our physicality and most of us i think that we know and listening to this show probably believe that one way or the other they feel that they know that somehow but there is actual technology available and uh, coming online and slowly being discovered and practiced to activate what's known as a light body can you give us a bit of an expansion on that area there's definitely the idea that um, frequency medicine is going to be the medicine of the future. Frequency and vibration, mm. including sound technology, um, the way we interact with each other conveys 
a, a frequency or a vibration as well. And we're always communicating on a whole range of different levels, you know, uh, chemical, uh, postural, um, as well as verbal and, and the rest. So finding a more coherent mapping of the different energy systems that have evolved uh, through different disconnected cultures throughout the world and looking at a connected way of viewing that and finding um, points of intersection between those ideas and then looking at uh, what that looks like in terms of an energetic map. And this idea of a light body is, um, uh, I, I look at the sacred geometric forms and the forms that are more coherent patterns of expression of energies. And when we get to that place, we can uh, more easily integrate further information so we can find that simplicity in the complexity and deal with uh, new information, new chemistry, um, maybe these cosmic rays and things that are coming in and mm. adapt more easily to changing conditions. So um, early last year, uh, Steve introduced me to the work of Dr. Mikio Sankey mm. uh, around esoteric acupuncture and he's written seven books which are essentially a map of what seems to be a newly emerging pattern of energy within the human body, mm -hmm. uh, which he has um, defined according to the Chinese medicine system and the mm -hmm. acupuncture points. He's also integrated uh, other systems. So there's the uh, Western Kabbalah system in there. There's a the Hindu chakra and Nadi system. Um, there's some of the Theosophical Society's information in there. There's a, a whole complex uh, synthesis going on in his work. Yeah, so so we've been doing some very practical work mm. around that uh, in terms of um, using our, our long-term understanding of, of uh, Chinese energy systems mm -hmm. from our martial art, which we've both been studying for over 20 years now, uh, and using that to um, activate energies within our own bodies to obtain altered states of consciousness and then experimenting with uh, advanced body scanning and healing techniques mm -hmm. that we're accessing through that kind of work and so maybe we can just talk very quickly about uh, our experience the other night where so so steve's just been through a, a dental emergency yeah, a, bit of right? a bit of healing crisis um, yeah. ended up in emergency um, getting some dental work done and uh, i've had some persistent um, information infl infection since then that i've been um, treating and Steve's done some work uh, with me in the energetic field recently where I felt an immediate and marked difference. Um, even though I've been working on it considerably myself, having uh, someone else with experience and um, the ability to sense what might be happening for me. So feeling that uh, resonance and then being able to make a change based on those feelings. Mm. Yeah, so so I, I um, did what I call an energetic scan of, mm -hmm. of Steve's head, and I found uh, an energy anomaly in one side of, of uh, inside his skull, which mm. which seemed to be related from the, uh, to the tooth issue that mm -hmm. you, you had the tooth extracted, right? right? Uh, I had a root canal began. Root, root yeah. canal, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's in process. Um, so so I I found that and uh, d uh, basically dissolved that energetic. Mm. Um, issue there and then also uh, we worked with what seemed to be what felt to you like a gap in your energy field on the Definitely. opposite side of your head mm -hmm. yep and uh, and so I, I did some energy work and when i say energy work i guess the closest thing you could relate it to is something like reiki where you're working with a, a subtle energy mm. um, that's emitted from your own body and and so i i used my energy to restore uh, your outer energy field on mm -hmm. the right hand side of your head and what did that feel like um, it felt like a, a smoothing or a um, stabilizing of, of one side and a, um, a balancing between left and right to me. Yeah. 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 And that um, ability to go into a, a shared space where we 
um, both have uh, a common experience and um, an agreement so that the, the story matches, it, it feels the same, um, is, is definitely part of that healing and sensing and the confirmation that comes out of that. And there's some holographic element at play mm. here because when I tune into you uh, and scan your head, I actually feel it in my head. Yes. So there's a resonance, an energetic resonance that mm. happens there, and that allows me to to use my headspace to do the work, yep. and it's being transmitted to you. Right? That, that's it. So yeah. yesterday I did a group acupuncture session where we used an array of 16 points, and during part of that session um, I was able to hold the entire pattern in myself, but also feel in the people that were there, uh, whether they were getting those nodes activated or not, and then work with them individually and collectively to uh, help that flow continue and, and increase and, and stabilize. So th so this is really physics that we just don't understand yet. Mm. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, Nassim Haramain says this is that, uh, a lot of these things that we, we call mysticism and stuff, it's just science that we don't really understand. We just understand. don't have the words so and language yet. So the Chinese would talk about qi because they didn't have words for viruses and bacteria. Yeah, yeah. Sense. So there's yeah. something going on here which at some point in the future we'll be able to define scientifically exactly, but yeah. right now we can just experience it and feel it and we're, mm -hmm. we're trying to figure it out. I mean, out very quickly because we do have to finish now yeah. and I've got to, to do this draw quickly too, I nearly forgot. Yeah. Uh, these capacities that you're talking about here are we evolving into this or has it always been there what's what's going on there i think the answer to those questions is yes, yes and yes it's always it's always been there what is evolving is our perspective on it so where our perspective is broadening and we're understanding these things in more detail and mm. with more complexity than we have before so it's states and stages kind of question isn't it exactly yeah. yeah but i mean there are you know stories from throughout history who from of people who've mm. been able to do this kind of healing work you know they write books about them totally yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do this draw for the uh, double pass to the film Peterloo at the Palace Cinemas. Thanks for all your calls. Quite a lot of calls in there. Very good. And the winner is uh, Jenny, subscriber number 1246. Thanks for listening. Thanks to all of you. We'll have to go now. Thanks to Dr. Stephen Booth for being with us again oh, today. Pleasure. Thanks, mate. Please come Thank back you. whenever you're up here. Absolutely. And uh, to my co-host, Steve McDonald. Thank thanks, you, Steve. Thanks, thanks to you, we'll, too. And thanks to all of you out there. And thanks for tuning in and uh, being conscious of, of your own health and healing as much as you can. Uh, blessings and healing to you all. We send that, send that resonant energy to you right now. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.